resting, being in pleasure. That doesn't feel safe. That feels very uncomfortable. I don't like that. That's very unfamiliar. I'm used to hustle. I'm used to grinding. I'm used to busyness. I'm used to constantly doing for other people. I'm used to saying yes, even though I don't even know what my yes is. You know, I'm used to people pleasing all of those pieces. Like we do that because it feels safe. It's what we've been taught. It's what we're conditioned to do. And so choosing another way is deeply uncomfortable. And it is built tiny action by tiny action. You know, maybe the first time you do the bath, you can only tolerate two minutes. I've got to get out. I've got to be busy, you know, but you did it. Next time, maybe you're in there for five minutes. Amazing. And we're showing each other the different way. Like we get to do this super imperfectly oh my goodness super imperfectly and tolerate the discomfort of letting people see us you know really see us hi i'm your host justine oxoy and this is the pleasurehood podcast a podcast where we explore what it means to be a mother, a leader, and all-around badass from a place of pleasure, empowerment, and turn-on. I am here to revolutionize how humans experience sex, pleasure, and motherhood by normalizing self-care, normalizing having desires, and normalizing mothers as sensual and sexual beings. Quick side note, You don't have to be a mother in order to listen to this podcast. Though I create my work with mothers in mind, this conversation is for everyone. I truly believe that pleasure is one of many paths of healing, and I'm here to highlight how to walk that path, no matter who you are. It is my deepest desire that wherever you find yourself on this amazing journey we call life, you can experience your power, your turn on, and of course, orgasmic pleasure. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Pleasurehood Podcast. This is episode seven. Welcome. So in this episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my business coach, Tamsin Crimmins. Tamsin is a somatic coach working with revolutionary female entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, and world changers who want to step into their own version of embodied leadership. She is obsessed with helping best kept secrets who'd love to be more industry famous to discover the medicine in their message, feel confident sharing it, and get paid for being themselves. I mean, she's pretty badass. I love her so much. And my conversation with Tamsin, in my opinion, is so incredibly powerful because we discuss what it means to live in the full spectrum of life as a mother. Being able to expand our capacity to be with our pain, grief and shame makes way for us to luxuriate in the full capacity of our pleasure. Pleasure can shape and heal our relationship with our bodies, allowing us to come home to ourselves and feel safe in our body again. And we also discuss how we get to change the script 
to how we experience wealth, health, and motherhood. We get to define motherhood and parenthood for ourselves and begin to create and shape that reality one step at a time. It is a really beautiful conversation and it ends with some concrete ways you can start practicing pleasure today. Without further ado, enjoy this amazing and beautiful conversation that I have with Tamson Crimmins. Tamson, thank you so much for doing the Pleasurehood podcast. It means so much to me for you to, to have this conversation with me. Um, just a little history about how I know Tamsin. She was my, we did like a VIP coaching day together. And she is just so fucking brilliant at what she does. Like she really was able to support me in bringing out like my voice and my message and like an understanding of the vision that I am building in my business and my life. And that was just in two days, y'all. So (laughs) talking about a very powerful, powerful being. And so thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me and talk everything, pleasure, motherhood, empowerment, and yeah, just being an overall badass of of your life. (laughs) (laughs) What a fantastic description. I love that. And thank you for that introduction. This is my favorite part of being on podcasts is the introduction. And just, I I feel the flattery in every cell of my body. I love (laughs) it. And I loved working with you. It's the relationship. There's something beautiful between us. And so we created, we co-created something beautiful in our sessions together. So thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure to be here. Oh, uh, I just, we kind of already started. I wish I pushed record when we first got on our call, but I'm just going to dive right in. Mm. And basically something that you wrote on your Instagram, and I'm actually going to pull it up because I want to make sure that I get it correct it was a quote and it just really, really stuck with me. It like really touched me in a lot of ways because I feel that the quote that I'm about to read is not only true for, in this case, it was for business, but it really touches on motherhood, humanness, you know, what it means to walk powerfully in this world and like really owning yourself in so many ways. And so I'm going to read this quote And it says, so you want to be an unstoppable wealth creatrix running your business with pleasure. Time to expand your capacity to be with pain, grief, and shame. And I was like, oh, yeah. I feel like any kind of new identity that you're stepping into, any kind of paradigm shift you're going to experience there is a level of pain, grief, and shame that you have to to sit with and navigate through. And so I just love to hear you expand upon that a little, what that has looked like for you, not only teaching it, but also like living it. Mm, 
Yes, yes. I love that you pulled this particular post out for us to discuss. It's like, yeah, let's just go deep. Let's talk about the real stuff. Because we so often talk in our space, you know, you talk about pleasure in terms of motherhood. I talk about pleasure-based business. And whether it's sexuality or any of these areas, you know, we really want to have more pleasure, ease, flow, all of these gorgeous things in our lives. Of course we do, but we can't selectively only have those things. That also has to be space for the polarity, the opposite as well. And then a lot of my work is about working with the nervous system to expand our capacity for wealth to you know and wealth in all forms you know a wealth of pleasure a wealth of money a wealth of opportunity a wealth of space you know a wealth of beauty and the expanding of our our capacity to hold all of these gorgeous things part of that work is about tolerating the discomfort of those things Mm -hmm. and the flip side of that is tolerating the discomfort of you know the inevitable I'm so glad you used the word human like, yes, we're humans doing this. There's not a lot of space for that on Instagram, you know, fitting that into the grid. But in our human reality, being able to be with and tolerate the discomfort of disappointment. Like I, I feel into it a lot of the time, the disappointment of maybe, you know, sales didn't go the way you wanted them to go or you didn't get as many likes on your post as you wanted. You know, can we be with the disappointment, expand our capacity to sit with that and not run to numb it or change it or fix it or any of those things that our culture is so, so, so good at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me personally, a lot of that journey with expanding my capacity for life, for the full spectrum of life, that is what I want to be here for, is learning how to be with that and not smoke it away, drink it away. Now, I don't know if we're allowed to swear, but, you know, have sex with it away. Um, <laughs> you know, any of these behaviors, overworking, you know, any of those things. And actually my capacity for more pleasure and joy and wealth in all forms has expanded so massively since I got sober, like about 14 months ago. That's my journey is really slowly, slowly, slowly over the years, releasing some of those coping strategies and replacing it instead with regulating activities. And that does not happen overnight. So when I talk about expanding the capacity to be with all of those things, it's a process, it's a journey. We do it really slowly. And my work is about working with the body and with the nervous system and reshaping you know, so that we can actually, I mean, I want to hear more from you because I would like to become a mother and I am wanting to fill my life with women who are doing this differently and saying, I want to do this with pleasure. You know, if I've, if I've learned to receive money and clients and run my business with pleasure, I need some examples of how we disrupt the story that as a mother, you're always exhausted. <laughs> there's never any time for you, you know? Like, so I'm like, please tell me, tell me how I do this. (laughs) Oh, I love everything that you shared and especially just like using the body because my whole thing is 
an embodied experience, especially when pleasure is involved. And one of the things that I have learned about pleasure, especially the more that I practice it just in my everyday life, is that pleasure actually brings you closer to your body. It, it creates a relationship to your body. And everything that you just said, it was just like, yeah, like understanding the coping mechanisms that you use to kind of escape, to check out, to soothe yourself, which is completely understandable. Like, don't get me wrong. There are days where I'm like, man, I wish I still like, I wish I still smoked like some weed. I can really use a joint right now. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. It's like, I have those days. And one thing that I have had to sit with, kind of going back to the quote that you wrote, one, the the pain of my birthing experience. Mm-hmm. Because I, and that's one thing that I, I definitely am trying to incorporate into my work is you have a plan for how you want to give birth mm-hmm. and it can all go awry. Mm-hmm. And in our society, so often it's like, oh, it's going to be so beautiful. And when you see your baby, you're going to like fall in love and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that can't happen. Of course, people have aesthetic births and you know, people have these really beautiful experiences giving birth. And I also don't want those who didn't have the birth outcome that they desire to think that they did it wrong. Because for a long time, I was like, I should have exercised more. I should have ate better. I should have like done X, Y, and Z. And then I really take a moment and I'm like, Casey, you were pregnant during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you were trying to keep yourself safe, healthy, yeah. not from getting sick. Like, you did your job the way that you did it. And like the, you had an adverse outcome with postpartum preeclampsia, but you had all the tools that you needed to make yourself safe, to get the help that you needed, to advocate for yourself. And so that I have to look at, look at it that way, right? And But mm. still sit with the pain of like everything that I missed out on because of the pandemic, because of my postpartum preeclampsia. And then I have to sit with the grief of that as well. And I think when I decided to sit with those two things and I decided like, okay, I'm actually going to choose something different for my mothering experience. Like I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to heal it. And then I'm going to choose something differently. And honestly, from the very beginning, I was like, I have to make time for myself because if I'm not healthy, if I'm not happy, then how am I going to create that kind of environment for my, my son? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy. Like it's, it's not easy, especially when they're young and they need you constantly, like literally to live. But one thing that I realized is like, if I have a, if I have a regulated nervous system to the best of my ability, then my son can co-regulate to my balanced nervous system. And in that I can start like changing familial structures just from like my nervous system and how 
how I operate and how he will operate and how his children will operate and so on and so forth. And so it was like a very clear choice of like, this is what I desire to do and it has to be different. And I realized if like me being a a coach who teaches embodiment, that lives embodiment, who's a true believer in, in living embodied, and I feel numb and disconnected and like out of it, which is understandable because your body goes through so many physiological changes during mm. birth and postpartum. I know there are so many other birthing individuals who must be experiencing the same thing and they don't know where to start and they don't know how to come back home to themselves. Mm. And so I was really interested in like, yeah, how do we use pleasure practices to come back home to ourselves, to feel safe in our bodies again, especially if we had a, a traumatic birth, to trust our bodies again, to trust in our innate wisdom as we navigate being a parent. And so I had to be really deliberate with it. And I had to create a lot of non-negotiables. Now, those changed as my son got older. His needs changed. Like his time, like everything changed. Like he became more active. He, believe it or not, needed me more. And he, he needed me to be more present and attentive with him. So that, that time of like creating self-care from a very wide experience of like spaciousness to like narrowing down to where I was like, oh, I have to be really intentional mm. about the time that I create for myself. And so like the other day I had this, I don't know, it was like this intuitive hit of like, oh, I need to go, I'm going to take a bath. And it was like, two o'clock in the afternoon, my son was asleep. And I was like, I really just need to like create a sacred space and take a bath. And that's what I did. I lit candles. I made it super dreamy and just took a bath and like relaxed. And I was like, wow, I need to do this more often. Like I need Mm -hmm. to create this time and space for me to sit in the bath and do nothing. And one of the things that I definitely have to navigate is like mom guilt. Yeah. It's it's like feeling guilty. And also the shame of wanting to put myself first. Yeah. There's so much shame around like, oh, I want to go get a a quick pedicure. And like the shame of like, you're going to leave your child, like not even alone, (laughs) he's with with his father. Like you're going to leave your child (laughs) for an hour. Are you crazy? And I'm like, I have to really navigate like who's speaking right now. Like, Mm. I don't think this is my voice. I think this is something else. And I have to like, yeah, I'm totally going to go get a pedicure pedicure, because I need that hour to myself. And I want to feel beautiful and it's super pleasurable to me. And so I go and do it. But it's definitely been a journey of letting go. Mm. Being with the messiness of it. Because it's not, it's not perfect. And you're right. Like Instagram, we put our, 
our more curated selves on on social mm. media. And meanwhile, in the in-between, it's super messy. And I get it wrong all the time. Mm. But that creates space for me to like get it right. You know? Yeah. I love this. And thank you for sharing that story. That's yeah, really powerful. Every layer that you touched on there, it's so important. I definitely have a total rose-tinted dreamscape idea of birthing and the whole the whole thing. And actually didn't even have in my consciousness that there could be another reality and that that reality might come with shame, grief, guilt, all of the pieces, all of the pieces. So thank you for sharing that. And everything that you shared there for me is embodied leadership. You know, it's walking the talk and being the example and reshaping what it actually means on a physiological level. You know, like every time you take a bath at 2 p.m. and are present there, and yeah, you can notice the guilt, like we can notice that sensation, notice it there, be with it. You know, with your level of awareness to notice the guilt when you want to go for a pedicure, noticing whose voice is that? Like that is incredible. It really is. And every time that you do that, that I do that, that anybody else on your listening to the podcast, doing this work and saying, we are, we are carving a new path. We are doing it in a different way. Our ancestors didn't get the chance to do it like that. I'm pretty sure I've got their voices in my mind as well. You know, like we are carving a new path and saying we're doing it a different way. And what you say about the co-regulation that you can have with your child and showing like literally showing everybody in your life a different way. You don't even have to say anything. Your resonance, your being in the world is showing us and we can feel it. Like this at first doesn't feel safe, right? Resting, being in pleasure. That doesn't feel safe. That feels very uncomfortable. I don't like that. That's very unfamiliar. I'm used to hustle. I'm used to grinding. I'm used to busyness. I'm used to constantly doing for other people. I'm used to saying yes, even though I don't even know what my yes is. I'm used to people pleasing. All of those pieces, that we do that because it feels safe. It's what we've been taught. It's what we're conditioned to do. And so choosing another way is deeply uncomfortable. And it is built tiny action by tiny action. You know, maybe the first time you do the bath, you can only tolerate two minutes. I've got to get out. I've got to be busy. But you did it. Next time, maybe you're in there for five minutes. Amazing. And we're showing each other a different way. Like we get to do this super imperfectly. Oh my goodness, super imperfectly. And tolerate the discomfort of of letting people see us, you know, really see us. Because this is, you know, this is so much of my work in my space serving entrepreneurs and coaches. It's how can we actually let people see the real us? We've got to see ourselves first. And we've got to tolerate the discomfort of them being able to really see us. But actually, it's those moments, we all know this, when somebody's genuinely vulnerable or genuinely shows us who they are, we just want to lean in, we just want to be closer. I'm wondering if you've noticed that in your own work, because mm-hmm. you're putting out such gorgeous stuff, you know, the podcast, and you know, you're, you mentioned the workshops that you were teaching at, all of these pieces. I'm so curious, your experience of letting yourself be seen. Mm-hmm. In this, because it's different. Like your work is pioneering. Mm, yeah, 
interestingly enough, I love using examples from my own life. Yes, because you're a storyteller. Yeah, because I'm yes. a storyteller. We've talked exactly. about this. Yeah, you're a writer and a storyteller. Mm-hmm. It's a nat- natural gift. Yeah, and it's like, to me, I love relatability. Like, I really, truly do. For example, in my workshop, I, I had shared a couple of experiences of like microaggression and racism that I experience every single day. And it's like mm-hmm. so slight. Did that happen? Did I make it up? And so oh, I shared gosh, it. Yeah. yeah. And so I shared it in anti-racism and birthright class that I taught. And a couple of the students like thanked me for sharing real life experiences. And I was like, of course. But to me, I'm like, that's how we learn. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's how it we is. learn. It's like, But it's vulnerable, right? Yeah. Which is funny. I feel like <laughs> I never really thought about this for a while, but I've done so much work around sharing certain experiences. Like I don't share all experiences, but there are certain experiences where I'm like, oh, yeah. Like someone will benefit from hearing this. Yeah. And... And there's certain stories that I've shared so much that it, it just reminds me how far I've come on my journey. But there are certain experiences that I shared at first. It was really difficult because I had to sit with like the shame of like, like when I share about my experience of, yeah, I think I shared this with you when I first chose life and I, and I realized like, oh, I am saying yes to my life. Like no matter what it looks like, I'm saying yes to it. Yes. And like back then I was 30 years old working at an ice cream shop. And at first, when I first start like sharing that story with people, I was like, what are they going to think about me? <laughs> like I was 30 mm. years old working at an ice cream shop with like, you know, 16, 17 year olds. But just the process of allowing myself to be seen in that story was so, so healing. And I think that's what I like desire to normalize in when it comes to talking about motherhood, because there's a lot of, for lack of better words, I feel like there's a lot of like romancing like mm. motherhood, you know, yeah. like, like I said, we romance like pregnancy and birth. I feel like we romance what motherhood is supposed to be. Like it's supposed to be this effortless, you know, constant giving of experience. But the thing is, a lot of mothers are operating on fumes. Yeah. And there's, there's shame around like that you can't do it all and that you can't be it all for your family, for your friends, for your community. And there's, there's shame that of like, if I have to ask for help. Mm, like, yeah. For a while I was, and I think this is still like something that I'm navigating, but I was a little ashamed to tell people that we had hired a nanny. Mm. I was like, ooh, what are they going to think? Like, you know, I work from home. I have a really flexible schedule. Shouldn't I just be able to take care of my own son? And so that's something that I still sit with of sharing like, yeah, a part of taking care of myself and filling my own cup was us hiring a nanny four days out of the week. 
to not only support our son, but also to support myself and my husband and create more spaciousness in our day. So it didn't feel like we're trying to pack everything in. And it has been revolutionizing for my energy. Yeah. So there's some things that feel like second nature that I can share and it feels really good to share. And then there's other things that I'm still navigating the shame around. But I think it's important to share like the toughness of of this new identity. I don't care if you have one child or you have five, six, seven. Each experience births a new identity because who you were with one child is going to be completely different with, you know, with two. Like it just is because it changes and shifts dynamics. Well, first me sharing my experience and being vulnerable, I hope it creates space for others to do the same. And something that you, you said really sparked this question in me of like, before you can even know what your yes is, you have to start telling yourself the truth of like what you actually want. And that is a journey in itself because you have to navigate the guilt, the shame, the grief and the pain. Oh, this is actually what I want. This is what I actually desire. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm actually a yes to. And I'm actually a no to that. And it doesn't happen overnight. Like it's, it's a process. It's a lifelong journey. Um, yeah, yeah. And I celebrate you so much for sharing your stories. I celebrate you so much for hiring a nanny. I celebrate you so much for knowing your yes, your desires and following them. You know, this is, it really, really is leadership, you know, from where I'm standing and, and in our in our world where we can thankfully connect, you know, me over here in England and and you over there in Los Angeles, it's like we get to spread this message so far and wide. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that piece around that and the identity, like, oh my goodness, exactly the same as an entrepreneur. You know, if you want to, you know, running your business, I'm sure there's also this, shedding of, I'm going to shed the identity of somebody who struggles with money. I'm going to shed the identity of somebody who hustles for money. I'm going to shed the identity of somebody who doesn't have boundaries, you know, and like actually being able to see, okay, oh, okay, this is how I've been operating. I see that. I have compassion for that. I understand where that's come from. Thank you very much for giving me this awareness and letting that go so you can step into a new identity. Like, I am not even joking when I say that that can feel like a death, right? Like, there's a real, am I actually going to be okay on the other side of this? Who am I going to be on the other side of this? And the truth is, of course, the more we hang on and we cling on and try and like keep it, you know, and all, you know the worse it gets. Like, the, the more we can allow ourselves to move in and out of these new identities. And like, my biggest identity now that I'm moving into is you know, wealth creatrix, like, oh, wow, what does she, like, how does she stand? What does she believe? Mm. How does she mother? How does she navigate being an entrepreneur and a mother? You know, like, I'm pretty sure she hires an nanny. I'm pretty sure she's asking for help. But in terms of like how our nervous system has been patterned in our lives, if we have found it dangerous to ask for help or be supported or rest or do any of these things, like, 
yeah, that's going to feel really, really edgy and scary. And all the stories are going to come up. The thoughts are going to come up about like, I'm hearing from you, judgment, judgment, judgment. Like what are other people going to think? What are other people going to think? What are other people going to think? And I hear this a lot from mothers, like that there is this, I'm sure it's probably got something to do with patriarchy and religious conditioning, probably. But, you know, like this strange pressure that we put on mothers to do it in this very particular way and when you get a bunch of entrepreneurs coming along and saying I'm going to run my own schedule I'm going to ask for as much help as I want I'm going to do it all in pleasure I'm going to make loads of money you know my number one priority is having a regulated nervous system yeah people are going to judge that people are going to be scared of that like who the hell does she think she is you know a lot of stuff is going to come up around that which is why like for me it's just so important that we stay in community and we share with each other and we're honest and you know when we can be inside safe I mean really safe (laughs) containers with one another create those spaces where our nervous systems can actually relax enough to feel like, okay, yeah, I can unburden myself a little bit here. I can actually share what's going on. You know, the shame dies. Like it can't be there. It cannot be there when it's shared. So I commend you for going first and sharing those stories. And I know in my own life, being seen and letting, you know, telling those stories has always, always led me somewhere magical. It's not been easy. It's not been easy at all. But, you know, I used to share like, the first memoir essay thing that I wrote was about having an abortion. And that was published in LUK magazine. So I don't know how many people read that, you know, but like the feeling of exposure was next level. And what I've learned from that is, you know, actually we get to be tender with ourselves. We don't always have to share all of those big stories. Like we get to keep some of them to ourselves. We don't have to be constantly making ourselves vulnerable. You know, like we get to keep a little bit towards with ourselves and keep things sacred. And knowing, you know, I was young when I wrote that, you know, like I didn't understand my capacity. But now being able to navigate like, okay, what actually feels like, what's a good edge? You know, not like I'm going to completely blow vulnerability hangover is what I would call it. I think that's a Brene Brown concept, you know, like maybe a year ago, if I'd been on a podcast and been sharing and letting myself be seen, oh, I would be in bed for a couple of days after that. Like that would be too much for my system. It would feel way, way too dangerous. Mm -hmm. And now I know how to navigate that experience, you know, with, my feet on the ground, like myself rooted, you know, and so much of that to me, it's like another phrase for what are my regulating resources here? Who who can I co-regulate with? You know, like what is actually going to bring me back to center here? So I'm not flinging myself around, like bouncing around, fight, flight, freeze all over the place. You know, like I don't want to live like that. And I'm certainly not going to be a good leader like that. And I don't, this is not a criticism when our nervous systems are dysregulated. It's a completely natural human thing. But to be able to have the tools and the awareness, if everybody in this world had the tools and the awareness, we would be living in a different world. 100%. 
This is not like a small little like, oh, we're just hanging out over here doing a bit of pleasure, no big deal. Like, no. Changing the script about how we mother and how we make money and how we lead and do all of these things. Like, whoa, that's big. You're taking a bath in the afternoon. It's big. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's so, ugh, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. And ugh, yeah, the first thing I want to bring up is the judgment part. Yeah. Yeah. What's that about with mothers? I hear this so much. Yeah. I feel like there's just so much comparison mm. happening. This happens to me a lot, um, especially when I first had Arda. I would just like compare myself to other mothers' experiences, to the mothers I knew to the mothers I saw on social media. And so it was just this, for me, the big one was breastfeeding. I feel like it's a big one for everyone. Yeah, like Breastfeeding is like, first, it's like if you had a vaginal birth or a cesarean. Yes. That's the, that's the first one. Then the second one is, are you breastfeeding? Are you not breastfeeding? And I've seen mothers I know who had like health issues postpartum just pushing themselves to the brink to breastfeed and I just always think to myself like what is this narrative that we're telling mothers around breastfeeding whether it's I breastfed and I bottle fed or I only breastfed or my milk is fully coming in or my milk isn't coming in at all to, oh, I decided to breastfeed my child till there were two or three and like the judgment around that. It's just so much judgment, comparison happening and this idea of enoughness, of trying to feed this, am I, am I enough? And I'm going to prove that I'm enough as a mother. So I'm going to to breastfeed, even though this might not be a optimal choice for me, hmm. or I am going to do everything in my power to have a vaginal birth, even though this might not be an optimal choice for me and my, my child. Hmm. I think it really comes down to <laughs> going back to the, the shame and not knowing how to navigate that. I love what you said about like meeting your edge and the sense of, of what you're like the capacity that you actually have mm. in certain situations. And for me, I had actually reached my capacity with breastfeeding because I was really trying to navigate my, my blood pressure. And it got to the point where it was like, uh, my blood pressure is so out of control. I have to take a medication that is not breastfeeding friendly. And I literally just had to stop. Like my doctor was like, you have to stop breastfeeding like today. And I was just like, what? (laughs) And and so like having to navigate that for myself. And I don't think I really shared that with anyone because I was so afraid of like what people would think about me Mm. as, as a mother. And so I really feel like it's just us trying to live to this societal idea of like what it is to mother, what it is to be a mother. 
and not really coming up with that definition for ourselves. Mm, You know, like I really truly believe that because there's just like, we've been approaching motherhood as if it's a monolith. Like there's only one way to do it. This is what I'm hearing. And I'm really, a thought came to me when you were talking about the comparison piece, because I heard a, a theory recently and I wonder whether this is applicable, but this idea that we compare ourselves to others as a survival tactic like mm. if I mean I'm assuming I don't know but like you give birth to this baby and it's like what the hell do I do so we look around to others for guidance and obviously we don't have like the elders and the community now we have Instagram you know which is full of like this is the way to do it this is the way no no, no this is the way to do it do it this way you know and all we're really trying to do is like keep ourselves alive like keep the baby alive keep ourselves (laughs) alive you know instead of it being this kind of yeah like a supportive community where we can help each other with like maybe try like this instead it's so tied into commerce and capitalism and all of these pieces of like well okay if you do it this way and buy these products and subscribe to this person's method or whatever you sell more whatever and it seems like such a missed opportunity for our shared humanity for us being able to be like none of us know what we're doing (laughs) we're all making this up like we don't really know can we allow ourselves to be human here together you know and it like to me this is I just keep coming back to that all the time like can I make more space for my own humanity and for others humanity like where has that gone? You know, like it just doesn't feel like there's any room to mess up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, the pandemic has made it so much worse. Like it really, really has to not be able to be in the room together, being honest about what's really going on. I mean, it's fantastic. Now we have podcasts and like, I'm like constantly listening. Like how, how is everybody else doing? <laughs> really though. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. And it's funny. I had a dinner with some friends who were talking about the, like the pandemic and how it's still going and how, you know, so many of us have, like are in different stages of pandemic living. It's like some of us are like super traumatized, still in survival mode. Some people are, their trauma response is just to pretend like it never happened and just to get (laughs) back to like normal life. And then there's, there's some of us that like desire to get back to normal life, but we don't know what that looks like and how to still navigate it because it's still happening. Yeah, And we don't want to get sick or... And no one is sharing like a shared reality. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're right. Like we're just trying to grab onto what will allow us to survive. Like what is going to speak to our survival, whether it's like stay in your house, don't leave, like continue to live like it was at the beginning of the pandemic to like, oh, whatever, like, you know, like everything's fine. We're all going to be fine. Like everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a hell of a lot to navigate. It really, really is. Yeah, and this is where for me, pleasure, this is not a negotiable thing. This is not a nice to have thing. Mm. This is, 
if we are going to navigate this increasingly chaotic, unpredictable, uncertain world that we live in and lead our families, lead our businesses, lead our communities, because we have to do it. Like we are the ones. We've got to do that. For me, pleasure is just like another, you know, term for a regulated nervous system, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and when we're in that space, we think clearly. We have innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. We have space for compassion and empathy, mm-hmm. social connection. Mm-hmm. Like this is the stuff that's going to move us forward in the right direction. You know, so it's really, it's so much more than baths and pedicures, as you, as you know. These things are they're so dismissed, you know, as like unimportant. And the truth is they are they enable us to be able to lead rationally, you know, and not in constant fear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so good. (laughs) And I feel like that is such a perfect place to um, end our conversation. (laughs) That was so eloquent and beautifully like wrapped up our whole conversation and also like what it means to practice pleasure. And Mm. I would love... For those who are new to pleasure, they don't know where to start. They're like, this is all well and good, but how does that apply to my life? What are at least like three things that someone new to pleasure could begin their pleasure journey? Oh, I love that question. That is such a good question. So I think keep it really simple. Keep it really small. You know, we don't want to be going from naught to constantly orgasmic states. It's just not realistic. (laughs) So I would be starting with the moment that you wake up. I mean, God, have have the phone out of the bedroom for one. But when you wake up, just spend a couple of minutes actually touching your body, you know, maybe running your, your finger across your lips, feeling your fingertips, your feet, maybe feeling around your hips, perhaps. I mean, I'm constantly touching my breasts. I don't know. Although I hear mothers are like, they're constantly being poured at. So maybe if I get off, get off my breasts. <laughs> but whatever it is that's just, you know, maybe some breaths. If we can consciously arrive in the day and just like, I'm here, you know, I'm here, I'm in this body before we move into our day, that can be a game changer. And then just, I like to sometimes use timers throughout the day, like little check-ins to notice where am I right now? Like, am I here? Am I present? Am I anxious actually right now? Do I need a drink of water? Do I need, you know, real basic stuff, like real basic. Am I tired? Am I sleepy? Like, how would you, you know, like you would with your kid. (laughs) Like, are you tired? Are Are you hungry? Do you need a drink? Just to get into that habit of actually coming back, like, how am I doing? What can I do just to give myself what I need and practice that, you know, see what happens if you can practice. I mean, my goodness, if you can practice that 30, 60 days in a row, that's going to change a hell of a lot because we're just dipping in. We just want to dip in a tiny, tiny little bit. It's too overwhelming to be, I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but you know, like say if you got taken on a really romantic evening 
and you've never experienced that before. You know, you get picked up in a limo and this candle light and it's overwhelming. You're not even, you know, for me, like I'm not even there. I can't cope with it. Got to start with like, thank you very much for bringing me a cup of tea. Like I can receive that. That feels good. That feels, I'm registering that as really safe right now. Like, thank you. So just tiny, tiny reminders throughout the day to come back to yourself, like give yourself what you need to start there. And that, that will start to just reshape your system to start to receive just a little bit more information, a little bit more pleasure, a little bit more, a little bit more. Over time, we can allow more and more and more in. But start, start really simple and start really small. That was so <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like just starting, starting small and have such a huge impact like it really truly does like yeah I'm not gonna go further into that but (laughs) thank you so much Tamsin like this was such a an amazing conversation and I just really appreciate your time and oh this was just everything so thank you thank you it's such a pleasure Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Pleasurehood Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with the beautiful Tamsin Crimmins. You can find out more about Tamsin and her work by checking out her website, tamsincrimmins.co.uk. And you can also find the link to her website in the show notes. If you're new to the Pleasurehood Podcast, first of all, welcome. And if you liked what you heard and you want to connect with me more, you can listen to past episodes. Follow me on Instagram at Justine Oxoy and also drop into my YouTube channel aptly named Wild Sexy Free. If you're an Apple Podcast user, you can support the podcast by leaving a review there. I would really, really appreciate it. And thank you in advance. All right, beauties. That's all I have for you today. I am sending you so much love, pleasure, and sexy vibes your way. Until next time, stay wild, sexy, and free.